Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. to another episode of Generation Ag. Today, your host is Kayla, and I'm so excited to be interviewing Ian Wilson of the Fremantle Egg Company. The Fremantle Egg Company is a family-owned operation just outside of Fremantle in Western Australia. The farm has been in the family for now four generations. Ian's going to tell us all about the transition of the egg farming business from when his grandparents did it right through to now when he's got his daughter and nieces coming back onto the farm. I hope you get a lot out of today's episode. I certainly learnt a lot, so enjoy. having me in your on your property today Ian. Thank you uh, very much Kayla for uh, showing some interest in our in our business and um, and having a chat with us. My pleasure I'm really excited to learn more about egg production I can't say it's something I've ever thought too much about I love eggs myself I was just um, saying to my friend last week I had the weird craving to have just some dippy eggs, some boiled eggs with some toast soldiers, and it was so good. So I thought um, we might kick it off by just asking a bit about yourself and your childhood and um, what it was like to grow up. So we're on a fourth generation uh, egg farm. So tell me a bit about that. Yes, well, uh, I'm a I'm a third generation egg farmer. My daughter, who's now uh, working with us, will become the fourth generation. Um, I've known nothing different uh, throughout my whole life. Uh, my early childhood was at this property and um, and that's where I've spent nearly every day, <laughs> much to the, my wife's disappointment. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, egg farming, uh, we've, uh, we've revolved originally the farm back in the uh, 30s when my grandparents started it up uh, when he came out from Ireland. It was a free-range farm, and he mixed that up as well with uh, with potato growing and dairy farming. So it was a bit of a subsistence uh, type of operation. And then over the years, when my uh, when my father took over, in probably the late 60s, the trend was not so much free-range farming at the time. It was to put chickens in cages. So the farm uh, done a transformation uh, from the late 60s through to the mid 80s, uh, building new sheds installing cages and getting uh, a greater number of uh, birds on the farm uh, under a regulated system. And we used to supply a marketing arm here in WA called uh, Golden Eggs. So we stayed uh, under that regime until uh, the early 2000s when the industry became deregulated and there was changes uh, to the size and quantity of cages that you could have and we decided that it was probably no longer feasible or profitable for us to convert the sheds that we had into new cage systems so we reverted back to free range farming we retrofitted a couple of the sheds that we had Um, we're also restricted by land area 
where we needed uh, 10,000 square metres of land uh, for every 10,000 chickens that we were going to free range. So converted the sheds and uh, we've been doing that system of free range farming for about the last 10 years. Um, Free range farming, um, now that we've had uh, both disciples in our time, it's not as easy as cage farming. Cage farming is a, it has its pros, it has its cons. Uh, Welfare of the birds in cages, they are less prone to disease Mm -hmm. because the birds are off the ground, they're not foraging in in dirt and um, and we found that in the cages, a lot of the diseases that were prevalent uh, back in the um, in the 60s and the 70s disappeared. And now that we've had about 10 years of free-range farming, a lot of those diseases, plus a lot of new ones, are starting to surface. And as farmers, we're finding it um, increasingly uh, difficult to uh, to address these problems because the go-to is antibiotics in a lot of cases and uh, industry plus veterinarians the same as the medical world in humans uh, everybody is reluctant to overuse antibiotics Mm. and we are seeking and experimenting researching uh, different ways to to possibly use more natural remedies and there are some interesting um, ways to go about it and research is showing that we can use natural products that have inherent antibiotic properties mm-hmm. and they are starting to show results uh, within the chicken world and uh, who knows it may morph into uh, uh, future down the track humans may even be able to uh, use alternate types of natural antibiotics uh, within our own problems. Mm-hmm. So let's circle back to um, you growing up in this farming enterprise what memories do you have um, as a young boy, do you do you have really fun memories with your parents? Well, as a young family, uh, we were the typical, uh, I suppose, farm where we had all the different uh, animals. We had horses, and there was cows and the chickens. I might just um, I might just point out for everyone listening. So we're just in a suburb of West of Perth called Munster, which is only what are we forty minutes from the CBD. Uh, and Ian was telling me before we just sat down to record about how uh, this area used to be very rural when you were growing up, and now um, there's new developments going up all over the place. The standard lot size around here, I'd say, would be probably square five hundred square meters or thereabouts, maybe smaller. Um, so just to contrast what you're about to tell us about growing up on a farm (laughs) yeah that's right Um, when we were children uh, neighbors were pretty much non-existent but it's not like living in the outback or anything like that (laughs) it might have been 500 meters to our nearest neighbor or something and um, yes we always my father and grandfather had always had an affinity with horses Um, in the early days growing uh potatoes or whatever on our on the land here it was horse and plow um, back in the 40s Mm. and still into the 50s um, I was born in the late 50s and I can still remember uh, riding I suppose a family draft horse on his back when my dad was leading him (laughs) and he only bought his first tractor in about 1961 I think it was his first uh, Massey Ferguson uh, (laughs) tractor which was cause for great celebration um poor old johnny the draft horse was put out to pasture and um and he was well pleased that he wasn't dragging the plow uh-huh. across the ground anymore 
but it, yes, it's uh, it's an indication in my uh, in my life. We used to go rabbit hunting. Um, there was a plethora of rabbits when we were children, and quite often um, Mum would be cooking up rabbit stew or mm-hmm. rabbit soup, and uh, it was a quite a uh, quite a thing. We'd get up early in the morning and and go and check our little traps that we'd set for rabbits and. <laughs> see if we'd had any luck during the night and such forth. And yes, um, motorbikes and all that as we grew up, um, they were the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, And also other sports that us children used to indulge in. There was nothing to have a small game of football in the backyard because we had the room. So they were things that um, I suppose a lot of children these days, if they're not on a farm setting, uh, possibly aren't exposed to, but... Mm. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, mm. could be open for conjecture yeah. by the different people of this time. Mm. And how many uh, family members are involved in the business now? I have two brothers who uh, work here at the uh, at the farm. Um, my daughter Rachel is also with us, and my niece. Um, she's just finished studies at uh, university, so while she is out um, hunting for. A job that she may focus on. She's working here at the farm and mm-hmm. improving her knowledge, I believe, on uh, on farming. Uh, so yes, that's the family members that are here. Yeah, wow. Um, and talk me through day-to-day operations on an egg farm. Well, uh, day-to-day operations for me, maybe early in the morning, uh, I tend to do uh, egg deliveries mm-hmm. so I can get that out of the way and then be back at the farm by about eight o'clock to um, do a walk around the sheds and check on the birds, make sure that uh, obviously food and water have been no malfunctions. Mm. The birds will always tell you if there's something amiss, if they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear the noise, the cackle coming from the shed intensifies um, when they're all trying to uh, pass on the message that... Uh, Food and water's not there or whatever. So um, so that's always uh, the first thing that we do. And then uh, after that will be uh, the collection of eggs. Uh, these days we're fairly fortunate. We have a semi-automatic collection area method. Mm-hmm. We're inside the shed. There is nest boxes that are connected uh, by belts mm-hmm. that run the eggs to the... Uh, out of the shed and across to the uh, packing shed where we will uh, run them on our machine that uh, weighs and identifies the size of the eggs. So that will take up most of the morning and then after that uh, in the afternoon there will be other general duties if it's not looking after the store where we have, uh, because we're close to uh, a lot of uh, suburbia, Mm -hmm. we've now built up a very large clientele who like to come to a farm and get their eggs direct from a farm so if we're not looking after the shop we'll be doing other chores around the farm which could include maintenance or shed cleanouts. or mm. we do we do sell chickens uh, to the public uh, a lot of people like to have a few chickens in their backyard to lay their own eggs so so that's quite a uh, a large part of our uh, business now is facilitating uh that side of it so and also uh, we we sell uh, bagged product as well whether it be chicken manure or Mm -hmm. chicken feed so um, that's another operation that we need to attend to uh, Mm -hmm. during the week during the day Um, so yes that 
that's the farm side of it um, pretty much uh, keeps us on our toe all day. Yeah, and how many chickens do you have? So we have uh, 14,000 um, of the Highline Brown chickens, mm -hmm. free range, and they're housed in two sheds. Uh, one shed has 9,000 capacity, the other has 5,000 bird capacity. And we're restricted now by land size as to how many free-range birds we can have. Mm. Um, standards and guidelines say that there should be one square metre of range area per bird. So we uh, make sure that uh, we have that plus a bit more mm -hmm. for the girls, uh, plus plenty of pasture, a uh, legacy of having kaikui paddocks when we had uh, quite a few horses here. Mm. So now that seems to be able to sustain uh, the chickens uh, when they're um, ranging during the day. Not only is there plenty of trees for them to shelter under from the hot sun when it's out, uh, but plenty of grass for them to forage through as well. And then do you feed them additional pellets as well? Yeah. Yes, there is a manufactured food that, that all chickens, um, whether they be caged chickens or barn or free range, uh, they need to have a balanced diet. That's a formulated diet and uh, they have access to that uh, all day when they come in and out of the shed. The feed is inside the shed. Mm. We can't put it outside the shed because uh, that would attract wild birds. So, uh, and the birds, the birds come and go from the shed all day. Sometimes they, they go out for a short while and they're comfortable back inside. When they're outside, they're always very, very wary. Their natural instinct is to look to the sky mm. for a predator. And you will always see them um, on the lookout whenever they're outside. They're always <laughs> mindful um, yeah. of, of anything that's out there. So, um, so no, they always seem to be comfortable and happy um, doing their little, what they do during the day. Yeah. So you touched on before um, about the semi-automatic system you have for collecting eggs. Talk to me about um, how you ensure the consistency of your, the size of the eggs that are produced or how are they graded and um, on, sold after that? So uh, we, we buy our feed from a, uh, from a feed mill in Welshpool and they have a, uh, an accredited uh, feed formulating person who identifies uh, the age of the birds. Mm. So, for example, from 16 weeks of age to about uh, 40 weeks of age, there'd be a specific diet that addresses the needs of those birds um, when they're at their peak of production. Um, up and to when is that? When's their peak of production? Peak of production would happen at about 27 odd weeks of age. Yep. Normally you'd get between 90 to 95% laid from the birds at that peak of production. That's when the birds are their most susceptible uh, to stresses, outside stresses. Their body is becoming accustomed to, uh, to laying nearly an egg every day. Mm -hmm. And the body produces the egg from within its own, within its own body. It, so it draws on resources that it's ingested mm -hmm. to produce that egg. And over time, the calcium level uh, within the bird will become depleted. Uh, they, they store most of their calcium within their chest bone. Then we find that after about 40 weeks of age, we change the formulation in the diet so there'll be more calcium uh, put in the, in, the, uh, in the diet. And then again at about 60 weeks, it's changed again to, uh, to address the girls. When they get older, shells tend to get thinner. So uh, we need to um, put this extra calcium to uh, provide their body 
with a, um, a renewed amount to uh, stop them becoming so so brutal and um, prolong, I suppose, the productive laying life of the of the girls. Traditionally, uh, in a cage system, you can keep them up to about 80 weeks of age, but in free range, they by about 70 weeks of age, uh, productivity and also, I suppose, the quality of the eggs starts to drop off. So that's normally the time that we need to um, change over a flock. Mm-hmm. So the grading machine uh, will have about five or six different sections uh, within it that, um, that can pick up the sizes of eggs. And that the very, very large ones, the oversized, will be channeled down uh, one section and so on down the, uh, down the machine till it gets to the smaller ones at the very other side. Uh, we, we just then hand pack uh, the eggs into the various size gardens. Yeah. Are you loving this episode? Me too. If you want to support Generation Ag to grow, we hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon partner. In return, we'll serve up exclusive content just for you and maybe even mention you on the show. All you need to do is visit the link in our show notes for more information. Thanks, guys. So you mentioned before about um, how you have lots of um, customers coming to farm to purchase. What other avenues uh, do you sell and market your eggs? Our farm is only, it's in the Fremantle region, about 15 minutes from Fremantle. So um, we do find that uh, it it sits well with a lot of the people uh, in that region that uh, there's similarly between Fremantle and and our company. Um, So cafes, restaurants... Uh, traditionally around that area as far as uh, as far as even up to Perth south of Perth uh, we seem to uh, have a lot of uh, people keen on our eggs within that region but of course because we're a fairly small operation uh, we obviously can't service everybody Mm. we have no trouble being able to get rid of all the eggs that we produce. Yeah. So um, you're a small operation. Talk to us, uh, by contrast, what would be a medium or even a large size enterprise? Here in Western Australia, uh, we have about uh, 10% of the national market. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the region of uh, 1.4 million birds, or 1.5 million birds in Western Australia. A big farm uh, in WA, a free-range farm, to the north of Perth, they would have about 300,000 birds on their farm. Um, They may even have a cage facility that has half a million birds. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's as big as it gets in Western Australia. Uh, On the east coast, they have farms as big as that and and considerably bigger again Mm -hmm. in some circumstances, Queensland, New South Wales, even Victoria. Mm up to a million birds on a farm wow. over there. So that leads nicely into um, asking you about your roles on the associations and committees that you're a part of. Could you tell us about that? So so here in WA, we have the uh, peak egg body for farmers. It's called the Commercial Egg Producers Association of WA. And uh, I was a committee member of that association for 
25 years or so and evolved over time. I became vice president and about three years ago became president. So the committee of uh, egg producers here in WA, we traditionally just look after the um, issues that may arise for our members and that, whether or not that's dealing with farming or, or with supermarkets or political side, deep herd or government, um, if they've got issues with industry. So they'll always come to us first and then we discuss it with them. So then we have a, a national uh, body here in Australia called Egg Farmers of Australia. Each state has a representative on that, uh, on that body and generally the chair of each state's peak body is the uh, person that uh, is on the board of mm. Egg Farmers Australia, which in this case is me. So, um, so not only do I, I suppose, liaise with government uh, here in Western Australia, it's now that uh, we also are dealing uh, with other uh, states and even within Canberra. It's not out of the question that we have to do, um, talk with uh, members from over there. Mm. But it's very interesting. Uh, it's another uh, avenue, I suppose, that we find, well, I find interesting. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it can be time-consuming um, when you've got your own farm to run and then also looking out for other, other farms as well and their needs, mm. um, but uh, we find that uh, we normally get there in the end. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and so how do those organisations, associations sort of um, deal with the customer and the changing needs of the customer? Do you have a, you have a brand that um, sort of sits front on for those? or? Well, within the uh, egg industry, we have a... Um, Australian Eggs, which is an industry levy funded organisation. And that uh, organisation, Australian Eggs, their main role is uh, promotion of eggs and also research and development. Now, Australian Eggs has been going uh, 12, 14, 15 years. And in that time, uh, consumption of eggs within Australia per capita has gone from about 170 eggs per person per year to now 240 eggs wow. per year. And that's, that's increasing every year. So that's been great. It works really well. But it also then puts pressure on farmers mm. who need to provide more infrastructure, more sheds, more farms mm. uh, to cater for this increased demand. And we've also now got, I suppose, consumers who are becoming more aware of how they like the farming methods of the eggs that they mm. like to, uh, to eat. Ten years ago, we'd have 95% of uh, egg production would have been cage, yeah. and a very minimal amount was free range. Consumer sentiment uh, over this last 10 years has changed quite a lot. And that's, uh, I suppose, access to the internet mm. and people being wanting to understand a little bit more about animal welfare mm. and, um, and farming methods. So that's uh, therefore created 
a greater demand for free-range eggs. And we're now nearly looking at 50-50% uh, cage against uh, free-range. We've also, uh, I suppose, got um, activist groups mm -hmm. who feel that uh, uh, egg farming in cages is cruel mm -hmm. in their terms. And they are also being able to be very creative on the internet vocal. or vocal or even to, in society where they may have uh, protests or whatever. Mm. So that's then, I suppose, gone to the attention of, of bureaucrats mm -hmm. or government. And they're saying, well, we need to listen mm. uh, to society. So within that, here in Western Australia, our own government, uh, the uh, Labor government, when they came into power, uh, decided that uh, they would have a review into uh, the egg industry here in WA. Mm -hmm. And the, the point of view from, uh, from the government here is that cage farming possibly is something that they don't, doesn't sit well with them. Yeah. So they're looking at a possible phase out of cage farming over a period of time. But yeah. at this stage, it's still um, industry is working with them and saying, well, we, we think that uh, consumer needs to be the one that dictates to us yeah. what they want. And consumers, if they say they want more free range, we will build new free range farms yeah. in a manner and a time that we can afford. To draw down the curtain at a certain time, a certain date, uh, will not give us enough time. It doesn't give us the chance when we have adversities throughout industry like we are at the minute. Mm. There's been a drought for the last nearly two years on the mm. East Coast. And how has that affected egg production? Does that have a big big? Well, it does. It does. Not only on the East Coast uh, when grain has gone so high, Supermarkets have been reluctant to uh, pass on costs mm. to consumers and reluctant to raise returns to farmers. Mm. The profit level has been negated and uh, some farmers on the East Coast have been able, unable to restock sheds. Mm. So therefore, a reduction in birds. And here in the West last year, we had a lot of grain shipped mm. across to the East Coast and supply and demand means that uh, an increase in the price that we've paid, nearly $100 a tonne uh, that farmers here in West Australia have had to pay extra for their eggs. Yeah. And we've been lobbying uh, with uh, retailers since then uh, on a continual basis, uh, suppliers and us, that you know they need to respect that. Mm. And they need to look at returns to the farmers to, to reflect the increased costs that we've had. Yeah. And it also, without profits, we can't expand. Mm. And uh, supermarkets have said that come 2025, they're looking at a phase out of cage eggs uh, in the supermarket shelves. So, so that's something that's um, of great concern to industry. Mm. And, um, and the way things are going with prices and low margins, it's not achievable. Uh, we won't be able to, um, to build new facilities mm. uh, in that time frame. And uh, we just think that 
all that's going to lead to is a shortage of eggs. Yeah. If that's the case, that they won't supply cage eggs, there won't mm. be enough facilities um, to uh, compensate for that. Yeah. I think it's a sentiment that's probably echoed across a lot of primary industries is that we really do want to move with the times and keep up with those consumer sentiments, but also need to strike that balance of being able to do it in a way that's still profitable and or at least... Uh, an income source for those farmers who work in those industries. So um, I think that's really great. And I guess that's a nice tie-off then into what's been the biggest change you've seen in, well, I guess you've had a lifetime career in eggs. Um, what's been the biggest change you've seen? I think the, uh, the biggest, the most um, dramatic change that we've seen uh, would have been when we had deregulation mm-hmm. of the uh, egg industry which came about uh, within the period of time that all regulated industries uh, were deregulated in the early 2000s. Uh, when, when the industry was regulated, farmers could always know that there was a cost of production, a regular uh, return, a profit was always there. Mm. Um, since that time, we found that um, unregulated industry barriers to entry are a lot less Mm. and um, we are at the behest of retailers but also we're finding that there's a lot of hobby farmers now uh, starting uh, to if they've got a bit of property might have a four or three or five hundred birds in their in their yard and it gives a little chance of an income uh, for a stay-at-home mother or or Mm. a parent or such which is which is good for those people, but um, but they're not. Um, I suppose they fly under the radar radar as far as we're concerned, and it's a huge biosecurity risk mm. uh, for the industry at large. We don't really know where a lot of these farms are, and if we do have an outbreak of disease, where we need to quarantine a certain area, and that could be a twenty or so kilometer radius of an outbreak of disease, mm. um, the speed that we need uh, to address something like this will be um, slowed down a lot uh, when we don't quite know who's got chickens out there in mm. their backyard yeah. of, any, uh, of any substance. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a big issue with us. But going forward, I believe that um, after last or early this year, we had an outbreak of Salmonella enteritis on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And that's been huge ramifications uh, for industry with somewhere in the region of uh, seven or 800,000 birds having to be depopulated uh, from farms over there. Wow. And then it was uh, on an inquiry from there, it was found that eggs had travelled between farms before the point of sale on a number of occasions. Traceability Mm. was very, very limited and that's now enforced or made industry act that we need to have a greater traceability Mm. system in place uh, to follow follow eggs as they travel. Wow. Um, Well, I feel like this is probably a good place to wrap up the conversation. It's been so interesting, I have to say. I've really enjoyed learning about uh, your life as an egg farmer. Um, And it would be remiss of me if I didn't ask you how you like your eggs. (laughs) 
Good question, Kayla. And yes, poached is the... Uh, poached? Yes, it is. Do you have a special technique for poaching or... Pure and simple in the poacher and uh, yeah. five minutes in the water out of the boil. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much, Ian. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Kayla, for inviting me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.